0: Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. Hey, it's, you. Hey, you. Hey, guy. <laughs> hey, babe. What did you use to? What was, did you have any? Uh, hey, guys. It's one thing, Krista. Really? Um, did you have any? Whether it was like aim, hey, you know what I mean? Like the, the, oh, the, the yeah, greetings yeah. to people on like an aim. What
0: was it? Hi. Or like what were the options? High. Like, hi, Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Do you remember H A I? Like, hi. So stupid. Yeah. I always would do, I did greetings even back in the day.
1: Really? Yeah. That's
0: sweet. It's funny how people, like, when I'm like, greetings, and they, like, laugh. I'm like, oh, I forget that what I say sometimes is, like, not completely normal. <laughs> they're like, you're serious. Yeah, they're like, oh, <laughs> ha I'm like, no, greetings. hi uh Yeah, I don't
1: Hello. even know.
0: I remember one time the hottest guy in school said, hey, sexy. I was literally 12. Whoa.
1: And I almost lost my mind. I actually remember that feeling of, like, someone yes. who you, like, kind of, whether yeah. it was on AIM or something. Yeah. Hi, sexy. Ooh, I'm ooh. literally twelve.
0: <laughs> I have like no sex appeal, zero percent sex appeal. There isn't a sexy bone.
1: And thinking or about in that body, them using the word sexy, they heard it and they're like, "This is what we one hundred percent." So, hey, sexy. But there was like levels. It Whoa. was like, babe,
0: yeah, beautiful, and sexy was like
1: top, yeah,
0: top. Because you're like, sexy uh, was like
1: hand job. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah noon. literally, <laughs> sexy was just the most adult i guess totally wow
0: guys on if you're watching on youtube my outfit is hilarious i like it i actually enjoy it it's the least flattering thing i've ever worn it's like a big bag <laughs> we
1: were, we it's a la- colorful bag we were laughing over the pockets cuz the pockets go to her body <laughs> yeah
0: there's <laughs> there's in this jumpsuit there's pockets that you, can t- you could, i could finger myself <laughs> I'm just like yeah it's literally well. like just go you can see my skin <laughs> It's amazing. It's my a nice whole feature. side is basically popping off. It's a nice
1: feature. At the end of the week when we record, our, our outfits yes. get crazy. The hair
0: gets crazy. The faces get crazy. I kind of lose
1: the plot. I'm like, same. I have no more things. What are we gonna yeah. do? Yeah, thinking about your look on like Tuesday Ooh. versus Friday. I know, because
0: <laughs> you can't be doing your makeup every day.
1: But we do. I know. Kind of.
0: But it's funny because most people do their. A lot of people do their makeup every day. I do my makeup so little.
1: Oh yeah, same. But when we're in studio, we.
0: I thought do. as I got older, I was like, Oh, when I'm older, I'll wear makeup every day. Which is so
1: weird. Yes.
0: Did my mom I don't even my know. My beautiful
1: mother wears makeup every day. Really? Every day. I love her so much. She's beautiful with and without. But yeah. I'm like, maybe we should give your you know, give your skin a break. Yeah. A little
0: bit. Give your schedule a break. Yeah, totally. <laughs> give your <laughs>
1: but th- also I have to say it is kind of like a a nice little adorning ritual. to yes. like put on makeup in the morning. Maybe yes. have your moment to yourself in the bathroom. So I totally get that.
0: I think I just wear it. my makeup is like very visible. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really do like <laughs> natural looks. <laughs> I don't do natural looks. <laughs> I'm like she's either porn star yeah, or <laughs> exactly. Like I'm completely like uh, what's it called when you do the the carving. Contour. Contour. Mm -hmm. I'm contouring or I'm barefaced. Yeah, totally. There's no... (laughs)
1: You're contouring or you're 2D. (laughs) Yeah,
0: there's no... Yeah, literally. (laughs) Or I'm a sketch drawing.
1: (laughs) There's no (laughs) in-between to the look. That's always been me, though. I've yet to learn how to contour, and I tried the other day with what I got, and it was just hilarious. I looked like I had a mustache.
0: Follow the indents. (laughs) So this is what it is. You go here, shading by your... Okay, so by your temples on the sides of your temples, shading. Shading at the lines of your cheek, almost give yourself definition. Uh And then shading on your under your under your chin. chin. Yeah. Okay. And then I put some on my nose. Yeah. The nose thing always trips me up because I'm like, what's crazy is I was like eight, I was like 12. I was babysitting this woman. She was really beautiful, and her husband was cheating on her with everyone in our neighborhood. And Mm. (laughs) which isn't funny, but. (laughs) This is very interesting. I'm processing <laughs> this in real time. She like ended up getting tons of plastic surgery. <laughs> you guys have 12 babies in this family. He's, it's crazy. It's Keep a going. lot of drama. Keep going. Okay. So she started getting a lot of plastic surgery, but before she did, I remember I was sitting in her bathroom watching her get ready or we were talking about something with the kids. Mm. And she was like, I'm going to get my nose done. But until then, do you want to know how to make your nose small? No and taught me how to contour my nose when I was like A pioneer.
1: 12. Icon. Wow. A beauty
0: icon cool i know so dope i'm gonna get my nose done but i know yeah I, she's I, like, I I, like I, i'm gonna honesty. get it i know i feel sad for them yeah there was a lot of that going Bill like, in the suburbs Bill. dude yeah dude it's crazy they, they were like swingers some it's so weird that i was i just I, even when i was talking to you the other day speaking of aim when i was on aim i was like did you guys go into like gay bear chats And you were like, no, you guys, we used to go into chats. And the chats we used to go into were only like gay bear chats. (laughs) I don't even know why. What would you say? We used to just like witness. Like we would just bear witness to what was happening. (laughs) To bears. Yeah, we used to literally bear witness and just kind of watch. I don't know if we would poke the bear or what, but (laughs) we would just kind of see what was happening. But I thought that was normal. And thinking about me being 12, knowing that they were swingers. I'm kind of surprised.
1: Oh, the couple, yeah, that, that you babysat. I
0: don't know where I heard this information
1: either. Wow, very weird. Ohio drama, yeah. But I remember, i I remember stuff in my small town too. I feel like it's it's almost like yeah. more common in a small town than yeah. a city.
0: Yeah, I like yeah,
1: maybe. I think the gossip is for
0: sure. Like yeah. people kind of know on each other's business. Oh, when yeah. you're in the city, you're probably like, there's so many of you, mm-hmm. I can't know your business. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. I remember um, the Gossip Moms. Did you have, like, Gossip Moms? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah. My mom never, like, liked that. Yeah, you know? my mom was on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, on Mars. No idea. Which I'm grateful for.
1: Uh, yes, I hung out with exactly. the
0: Gossip Moms' daughters,
1: daughters for a little bit.
0: Yeah. Didn't last long. Yeah. That was yeah. too bad.
1: Too bad? That was oh, too bad. Bad of an influence. Yeah. yeah.
0: We would, like, sneak out, and then we'd come home to my house, and the Gossip Moms would be there with my mom. Oh, mm-hmm. no.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, literally, literally. and your mom's like, they like, "Where'd huh? you go?" We were like on a
0: walk. <laughs> They're like, "It's midnight." We're like, "Whatever." <laughs> You're like, "I'm a pioneer." I was walking. I <laughs> yeah, literally walking back. I was hot girl walking when I was fourteen.
1: Hot girl walking, walking to sneak out. Holy moly! Are you guys excited? Yeah. What an intro to
0: Jude. Yeah, this is a completely inappropriate introduction <laughs> for our guest today. I love it because she's silly too. She's super silly. She's, she's super, super silly. Beautiful, positive. So uh, Dr. Jude Keravin is a cosmologist. She's a planetary healer, a futurist, an international, and best-selling author. She wrote the cosmic hologram and she has another book coming out called The Story of Gaia. Mm. She previously was a really senior businesswoman in the UK. And she's founded the Evolutionary Leader Circle and the World Whole. Whole worldview. Mm. And I found her through um, Miranda Alcott, our animal communicator who's been on the podcast, if you're interested to listen to that. And I was so interested in her work because she has such a beautiful melding of cosmology and of quantum mechanics and cellular biology. So in this conversation, it might be a little deep. It's very like in it's the. It's like weeds. out there, up there, down all there, there, all yeah. over there. And you know, in the best way. I thought I was versed in this stuff and I'm actually not. So it was very interesting to talk to someone that is so versed in the quantum, Mm -hmm. is so versed in physics and is so versed in things that are like related to the planet, but also
1: not like it's very grounded. Yeah. And it was very interesting to learn about how from a very young age, like Mm -hmm. four, she connected with Mm Thoth and then kind of subsequent friends of Thoth But anyway, really her knowledge base is part study, but also part downloads, experiential through this connection with cosmic beings, angels, and it's really, really fascinating. Honestly, I would recommend just listening to this without the intention or goal to retain as much or or totally get it. It's more so being in that receiving mode mm-hmm. because I feel like these are for sure codes mm-hmm. that will activate you in ways that you, know, you could never really quite yeah. intend
0: for. Yeah. My intention with this conversation was to bring someone on that could really help us to incorporate science and research into consciousness mm-hmm. and really come at it from a different angle than I think we do now. I think we usually come at it from people that have mm-hmm had contact with aliens or different entities or species and are pretty much on just the spiritual angle. Mm -hmm. But to have someone that is very studied in the physics, quantum mechanics, and like scientific reality of it and consciousness, I think is really good. So Mm -hmm. I would like to continue the exploration of conversations like this so we can talk more about things like quantum mechanics and cellular biology and kind of go there to understand the deeper nature of reality from a scientific perspective as well so we have a better holistic understanding of everything. Yes. As much as we can, I think. Not everything.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So her new book is coming out soon. It's the story of Gaia. And her most recent book, The Cosmic Hologram, is for sure one that you want to grab. And we just love you, Jude. It was just such a beautiful, lovely conversation. I feel... um, Yeah, I felt seen, Mm -hmm. even though I went into it being like, I know nothing. Yeah. I felt seen. I did too. She's an
0: incredible speaker. She's from the UK. She has a beautiful, beautiful accent. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to you all hearing this. If you have a friend or someone in your community that finds this information interesting and relevant and is curious about the cosmos, definitely send it to them. Maybe you can have a conversation about it to dig deeper. And you can find more information about her at
1: judecurvin.com. Beautiful. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. If this episode just
0: wet your... What do you say? I don't know what you wet your say. Wet your whistle. Wet your whistle. Wet
1: you're your you're listening.
0: Wet, wet your ears. Wet your ears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lick your... I don't know. Um, <laughs> please pass it to a friend or someone you feel like would really get something from this episode or others, we have over 500 Mm -hmm. for you to listen to. And we also have our new podcast called Morning Microdose. These are curated clips from Almost 30 Podcasts, those vortex moments that we wanted to share with you in little bite-sized nuggets so that you can prime yourself for the day. So our intention is maybe you, this is the first thing you listen to after you do your morning routine rather than the news or the dirty scroll on Instagram. And we hope you love it. So subscribe to Morning Microdose.
0: Almost 30 is our website. We did a little refresh. You can check it out. Almost 30 podcast on TikTok, where we share helpful tips and information from the pod. Almost 30 podcast on Instagram and all of our courses and programs and membership is also at almost30.com.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the other side. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. I am going to do a live card pull right here on air from a special new oracle deck. I'm excited and honored to talk to you about our friend Adriana Ayalis, the founder of Anima Mundi, has created the Herbal Astrology Oracle Deck. And y'all, it is so freaking gorgeous. You know, when you hold a deck in your hands, I'm not sure if you've had this experience where you just you feel its power and thoughtfulness. And this is an Oracle deck that opens an ancient portal into the energy and healing power that connects the stars above and the plants growing from the earth. It's really beautiful. I've actually learned so much by using this deck thus far. And the guidebook is amazing. It illustrates the traditional medicinal applications, ceremonial uses of the herbs, spiritual messages, animal guides, and symbolic meanings associated with the important herbs, trees, flowers, and mushrooms. So I'm going to pull one for us right here on air. This is for all of you listening. Ooh, I pulled horsetail and the associated word is patience let me look this up for us real quick i love this guidebook it's so beautifully written horsetail whenever you cross paths with a horsetail you are looking at a member of the sole surviving genus of a once great lineage prehistoric horsetail said to have been giant compared to the remaining species that exist today. This primitive plant is a descendant of large trees from the Paleozoic area. So lots of history here. Let me jump to the astrological connection horsetail is ruled by Saturn as strengthening the skeletal system and connective tissues and promoting wound healing, hair growth, skin protection, and bone strength in the ringed planet's domain. Saturn also corresponds with the processing of minerals within the body, particularly the kidneys, which horsetail also nourishes. Now for our listeners, I'm excited for you. Okay. You're going to get 15% off with code almost 30. When you go to anemamundiherbals.com that's anemamundiherbals.com a-n-i-m-a-m-u-n-d-i herbals.com use the code almost 30 for 15% off.
0: So grateful to have you here. I've known about your work just this year. I was introduced and You know, I really love the way that you speak. I really love the hope that you bring for the world. I really love the way that you see things. And our community is people that are spiritually curious. They love all things mystical. They love all things galactic. They love all things cosmic. So I think this will be a beautiful conversation where we're talking about the spirituality part and then the science part because you're such an expert in that. But something I found so interesting about your past and your history was when you talked about being a child and you were having these supernatural experiences and the supernatural um, cosmic conversation with maybe galactic beings, which a lot of our audience may feel familiar to or may want to know more about. So I'd love to hear about your childhood and really this like unique quality to the experience of. Our universe at that time.
2: Well, thank you. And it's lovely to be with you. Uh, I'm so looking forward to the fun of our exploring together today. But yeah, just going back to when I was four years old and I wouldn't describe them as supernatural or paranormal experiences. I prefer to use the term supernormal because, you know, in, in all the journey that I've been doing since then, and I'm 70 now, so I'm still a child. Okay. But that journey has Explore that deeper, multi-dimensional understanding of the nature of reality. Ever since, and very much that these are attributes, these are phenomena that are our natural inheritance, our natural heritage. And so, I talk sometimes about you know intuition being our our superpower, but it's more than than intuition. It, it's we have an innate ability to communicate, to engage with, to learn from. In many cases. You know the, the multi-dimensional intelligences and archetypes and entities that are very much our community, our, our community, our planetary community, our galactic community, our universal community. So when I was four years old, the first experience that I had was a discarnate light that came into my room, and I started to have here, you know, an inner hearing, a clairaudient message. I was just curious. And it felt so natural and so easy. So I entered a conversation then that's lasted for more than six and a half decades ever since. And from that first introduction, you know, it's like meeting a friend and then you meet another friend through your friend and then you meet another friend through that friend. It's like like six degrees of separation on a multidimensional level. And that's been an ongoing journey. And it's been so incredibly enriching for my life. And I'm sure it is. For the community that, that you know is your community and now my community. And I feel that now is the time more than ever to really almost accept the invitation of the universe to enter into this relationship, these much broader, grander, deeper relationships with the entire reality and and deep benevolence. Of our universe and, and all its kinship and family.
1: What was it about your childhood that allowed you to stay in connection in that way and so open? Because I, just from my own experience, I feel like there was like little and big ways that that part of me was either not supported or just kind of shut down. So I'm curious what what the that environment was like to help you stay in connection
2: I never told anybody
1: (laughs) (laughs) there you go go. that's the secret (laughs) you heard it here and and it wasn't (laughs) and
2: it wasn't because I was afraid to it just didn't occur to me I was having such amazing adventures and I know my mum would have accepted, you know, as, as normal. I mean, she was highly intuitive herself. But I grew up in the north of England in a mining community, coal mining community. My dad was a coal miner. My granddad was a coal miner. And so it was a very sort of working class, in, in, in British term of working class, but a very modest upbringing, very community-centred, no-nonsense absolutely no nonsense, very, very practical. And so I suspect that had I said something, although my mum would have been very open and, uh, to that, I suspect at school with my other friends, perhaps not, but it never occurred to me until I was well into my adulthood. And then what I was finding is that people would sort of seek me out and tell me, I've never said this to anybody else. I've never shared this with anyone else. But I know. And that was for me that opened the door to sharing my experiences and offering a safe space for others to share theirs.
0: I'm excited to dig into the the cosmic and the beings a little bit more, but I would love to tell our audience, you know, what you do and who you are, because I think your experience and your titles are just so unique. And so I'd love for them to really ground in who you are today.
2: Okay, well, I think as I've already perhaps alluded to, my my life journey has been what we say in in Britain, the scenic route. (laughs) It's, I suppose, if if someone's asked me what was my main attribute, I'd say curiosity. So my curiosity, and it's been a curiosity that's always been based on the why of things as well as the how of things, why are things as they are. So it has been an amazing scenic route because while I was having all of these adventures, walking between worlds all my life. And we can certainly, you know, explore more of those. I was also wondering why and how what I was experiencing in this sort of multidimensional grandness of the world and the nature of reality, how that became the universe, the physical realm that we, you know, embody in our human journey and and our, our earth walk and so i was also studying physics and quantum physics from a ridiculously early age a ridiculously early age i mean i think i was 6 when i started to read about quantum physics and so it went up. but what it was it really gave me a, another language to go alongside my experiences of and weave together with and really not be limited by the the sort of the physics of the so-called physical world but the metaphysics, which of course is is so much of the universal wisdom teachings, ancient wisdom teachings, spiritually based traditions. So I was weaving those together. I never saw a separation between what I'd call science and spirituality. For me, there were always different ways of exploring and and expressing what I was discovering. And then after university where I did a master's degree in physics at Oxford University and specialised in cosmology and quantum physics, I went into the world of corporates and became an accountant. As you do. (laughs) So (laughs) the next 20 years, that was my journey. And I ended up being one of the most senior businesswomen in the UK, responsible for two $500 million turnover businesses in my career on the board, you know, the first woman in the UK to be a main board member of a a large-scale organisation and loved it. And it really, it then grounded me in what it means to connect with people because at that point, you know, I was so happy communicating with angels and extraterrestrials and divas and everybody. But what it did is it really was wonderful. In A, me journeying around the world, and being very grounded and very practical and be able to talk about what we needed perhaps to transform in our everyday lives, the way we organize ourselves. And it was another part of that scenic route. And then after that, I, I got a message that said, enough now, no more strategic plans, no more business plans. And then I left corporate life and really then entered what I feel is my, my true role in being here, which is to serve, you know, the possibility of our conscious evolution. So I went and did a doctorate in archaeology, researching ancient cosmologies, how we see ourselves, how the ancients saw themselves and their relationships with each other in the world. So the leading edge science, the ancient wisdom, the nature of consciousness, and how do we practically bring all of that with a transformed worldview into our everyday life? Is to serve you know the good of the whole so that's been the scenic route and I'm authoring lots of books on the way and all the rest of it so.
1: it's fascinating that you grounded in in such a like i guess common and typical job that a lot of people find themselves in and really felt the joy and mm-hmm. purpose in bringing forth your understanding of the metaphysical world into those arenas which i i think about that a lot where i'm like wow if if only this big huge company this like financial institution had the understanding of the energetics of what's mm-hmm. happening and how either much more successful they would be or how much happier they would be or how much more productive <laughs> so yeah imagine board meetings they're like we're calling on our angels and guides
0: <laughs> to support to support us in this board meeting today mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: it's so true it's so so true in your study of ancient cosmology i'm just curious Because from my understanding, which is, you know, very, very nascent, it seems that the technology in ancient times um, around the world is more advanced, perhaps, or had kind of the key, the core of what really works. And then we kind of lost it along the way. So in your findings at a high level, what... Fascinated you about their technology, their understanding of the world, of themselves, and of the connection to the cosmos?
2: It's a great question. I think it it varies over time and it varies across cultures. And when we talk about technologies, I suppose for most of us it it's the sort of the technologies we're familiar with, which are very much, you know, material in in their sense. They're very clever you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation without some very, very clever technologies. But for them, I think the technologies are more technologies of consciousness. So one of the main traditions that I've always revered, and I feel that it offers us perhaps the most profound teachings of the ancient world, is that of ancient India and the Vedic tradition of ancient India, where there was a whole sort of tradition of of rishis wise adepts who spent their entire life really attuning with and entering into this, these journeys of metaphysical discoveries. And what they shared with us, which we still have, we still have the writings, you know, the Gitas, the Bhagavad Gitas and the Upanishads, the, the interpretations that they came back with, was very much what, you know, my work now is, is serves in the sense of consciousness, mind and consciousness being primary to the appearance of our world. And and to go even further than that, and to say that mind and consciousness aren't something we have, they're literally what we and the whole world are. And now leading-edge science, you know, at all scales of existence and across many, many different fields of research, is coming to that same perspective and so the metaphors, the analogies that came out of, of ancient India, such as the universe being a, a representative of the breath of God, the breath of Brahman, well, I now talk about our universe beginning not in a big bang, which wasn't big and it wasn't bang. It wasn't a bang, it wasn't a chaos of a bang. It was far more like the minute beginning of an ongoing big breath. So again, that's reflective of that ancient understanding. And another one, which I use a lot, is a concept called Indra's Net, I-N-D-R-A-S, Indra's Net. And that describes reality in the world as made up of a myriad of multifaceted gems, jewels, each with numerous facets reflecting each other and, and connected by golden threads of light, and now when I write a book called The Cosmic Hologram and based on the, the understanding, of the so-called holographic principle, that's just Indra's net with, with, you know, modern terminology. But it's that perspective of the whole reflected in the many parts and each part reflecting the whole. And that comes through ancient Egyptian wisdom, too, and many other traditions.
0: Yeah, but as above, so below. That's the Hermetic teaching, exactly. So, yes. Yeah, I would love to explore Egypt a little bit because I feel like Egypt is such a is such a culture of relevance. Where I feel like in spirituality, it's sort of the mecca of what we understand. I'm glad you brought up India, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what you discovered in Egypt.
1: Well,
2: I, you know, my teacher, my great life teacher, that came through to me when I was four years old, named himself as Thoth. The ancient Egyptian wisdom teacher, yeah, and I know that many folks who are awakening to this perspective, this multidimensional journey, this adventure of discovery, have that relationship with Thoth too. So for me, from a very early age, that wisdom, those wisdom teachings of ancient Egypt, were central. And of course, when we talk about the the gods and the goddesses of, of Egypt. The tradition actually describes them as netra, and it describes them more as principles of consciousness, archetypes of consciousness. And that's how I've always experienced them. And for many, many years, you know, I said, introduced a friend to another friend. Well, I got introduced by Thoth to all of the other netra that are the the pantheon, the great pantheon of consciousness that lies at the heart and soul of ancient Egyptian teachings.
0: If we were to think about it, all of the gods and goddesses within Egypt are actually archetypes and they represent like an energetic signature that is, provides or, pre- or pre- presents a message, right?
2: They do, but I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to suggest we go beyond the 20th century usage of, you know, we, the 20th century science is based on two great pillars, quantum physics and relativity physics. And quantum physics describes energy matter and relativity physics describes space and time. And what we're now realizing is that those attributes of our universe are its appearance, not its deeper reality. And its deeper reality emerges from, you know, non-physical realms of causation and intelligence and intention. And the way that happens, you know, the best understanding we, we are having now is that Cosmic consciousness expresses itself in as meaningful information and digitized information. So just as our technologies are based on, on, on information that's digitized as ones and zeros, you know, in all sorts of combinations, whereas our English language has an alphabet of 26 letters, what we're discovering Is that the cosmic reality, the cosmic hologram of our universe makes do with the simplest of alphabets of two letters, ones and zeros? But from them, all that we call the appearance of our universe manifests. So beneath energy matter is information expressing itself as energy matter. Beneath the appearance of space time is information expressing itself. In complementary ways, as the space and time of the appearance of our universe. So that's why when we talk about energy healing, yes, we talk about vibration and frequency, but they are the sort of the wave guides, they are the ways in which that meaningful information expresses itself as all the energy and matter that then is the appearance of our universe. So from that absolute Foundation, which is at the most minute scale possible, then all of the reality leaves, snowflakes, planets, people, galaxies, stars, the whole universe of energy matter literally materializes.
1: Oh, this is one of my favorite self care practices of all time and I can do it in my home, which is so magical and amazing. Higher dose sauna blanket, baby. (laughs) This is their number one best selling sauna blanket. It's portable. It's infrared and it's unbelievable for detoxification. It reduces inflammation. It supports restful sleep. It burns up to 600 calories in an hour while lying down. What? You are basically working out Without working out. It's actually insane. I love Higher Dose. This is a holistic recovery brand, it is a cult favorite. And they create wellness technology that turns your home into a spa. So, the sauna blanket is my number one. I do it probably like twice a week on average. And, y'all, it just gives me a good sweat. I feel my pores open up. I feel my blood flow is so much better. I have more energy. And then, when night comes, I am sleeping like a baby. They also have a red light mask, which I love. So, this keeps my skin. Incredibly clear. Um, It activates the mitochondria in the cells and just really helps them to recover and be as just alive as possible. I also really love their PEMF mat. So, this is basically something that you can take with you into work. You can stay grounded everywhere you go. It's a portable size, travel ready. It's really, really awesome. It will boost your mood, reduce stress, Relieve chronic pain and increase your energy. And of course, anything higher dose, 30-day money-back guarantee if you're not totally hooked. So for our listeners, I'm jazzed. You get 15% off site wide, which is so freaking amazing. Almost 30 is the code when you go to higherdose.com. And y'all, it's the holiday season. This is literally the perfect gift. Honestly, anyone would be so excited to create a spa in their home with higher dose wellness technology. So check it out, higherdose.com, and you're going to use the code almost30 for 15% off site-wide. That's higherdose.com, H-I-G-H-E-R-D-O-S-E.com. Use the code almost30 for 15% off site-wide. Great holiday gift. Your connection with both and the subsequent relationships that you formed because of his introduction to them. I'm curious if within your work, did you find that you were receiving and understanding more information through them rather than actual in the field kind of scientific exploration? Was it kind of these downloads that felt like immediate understanding? I'm curious kind of that process. It,
2: yes, is the answer.
1: <laughs> what I would say. Wow. <laughs> what I would, that would have been helpful in my physics class. I know, honestly. Okay? Like, yeah. I'm just saying.
2: Yes, it's a yes. <laughs> it's a yes. And what I found is, is they weave together and, and more and more they weave together in a, a really seamless way. It's like a tapestry of awareness, a tapestry, you know, with many, many different threads. So, for example, at one point when I was writing the cosmic hologram, few years ago, or the book was writing me, I woke up at 4am. And I was literally standing on the bow wave of our universe, I was standing on the edge of space and time. And I could see, you know, space expanding and time flowing from the past to this present moment, and sort of crystallizing the potentiality for for the future. And as I did so, I, I literally understood how it all works how energy matter and space-time can be reconciled, how if you take them to that deeper level of meaningful information and you bring in what you might remember from school as being the the laws of thermodynamics, but expand them to be laws of information, rather like a Rubik's Cube, it just goes, and there it is. So I wrote about this as a new insight of information science in that book. And I've also included it in my forthcoming book. But literally that came as in a moment at 4am in the morning. And yet there are many other times where little pieces of insights come, but they've guided me to look in a particular place for the verification, for the science. And sometimes the science has guided me into an attunement where I've seen a missing piece. And That's come in that different way. And I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this, just to say. I mean, Einstein in his memoirs talked about when he was 16 years old and he had a vision of, of following a beam of light. And that vision brought him to that incredible insight that space and time are each relative to an observer. But... When you put them together as space-time, they become what's known as invariant. And on that basis, our universe is founded. But he found a beam of light to that insight.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thought to think about. You know, I think when we think about some of the great minds, oftentimes they were visited or they were channeling something or they had some sort of cosmic support. Since this is something that you've been working with, have you found that as a trend with some of the great minds and thinkers that have brought through powerful technologies or consciousnesses?
2: I think it's always been the case. I mean, when we go back, as I mentioned to the rishis, the the, the adepts of ancient India, the adepts of ancient Egypt, those of China, indigenous wisdom teachings, you know, all of them speak to this, this, this walking between worlds, this, this obtaining this understanding you know, in, in these deeper perspectives, these most profound communications. And so all I would suggest that many, many scientific pioneers have experienced these and, and some have spoken about it and some haven't. But there's a new book coming out and, and a number of books, actually, that are, that are on the way, which is talking about the spiritual awakenings and the insights of, of scientists and academics that are now willing to speak about their own journeys. And I've just contributed to a couple of those recently. But I'm also an advisor to a group called the Galileo Commission, which is a group of hundreds of scientists that are very much coming forward from this emergent understanding of a conscious, living, and evolving, multidimensional universe within, you know, an infinite and eternal cosmos. So things are moving and they're moving now fast.
0: Yeah. What would you say that the split was? Like, what do you think was happening within our evolution where there was the fear of talking about these these spiritual experiences or talking about these supernormal experiences? Where do you think that that happened along our evolution?
2: I think It probably started actually further back than we we often consider it to, because what we see as an archaeologist, as an anthropological archaeologist, so I'm looking at people as well as, you know, material relics. You know, you go back to the the time of the Neolithic, and at that point, people started to evolve different perspectives of, of who they were and their relationship with the cosmos, and I think it was still very much spiritually based, you know, and a realisation of the harmony and the relationships. But over time, as those eras moved into what's called the Bronze Age, you had that old sort of balance, perhaps, of right and left brain and feminine and masculine approaches and balance, and it moved more into a masculine left brain perspective, as it were, of the the relationship and I think that did start and also writing came along so there was a there was a movement away from this experiential embodiment of wholeness you know gradually moving away into almost a a mind body spirit perspective and as my dear friend Elizabeth Sartoris says Consciousness is the whole piano keyboard, you know, from the physical through to the highest spiritual. There is no break. There is no separation. It is part of a a continuum in that regard. But I think there was being perceived to be. But the big one, I think, is when around the sort of the 15th and 16th century, there was a group of pioneer curiosity seekers who called themselves natural philosophers, and they were starting to discover and to experiment with the physical world. You know, we had amazing pioneers such as Copernicus and Galileo and Newton. And all of them were very spiritual in that sense. But they were exploring the physical world. And the church, the Catholic church at that time, said basically, stop this you are not to enter into our domain of spirituality. You can go after the physical world, you can do your experiments, but do not cause the heresy of trying to understand the physical world in terms of the spiritual. And I think that began, well, I don't think, I think there's very strong evidence that that really widened what was a narrow beginning of a schism into a much wider schism. And that's really continued and for me, what's really interesting is 100 years ago, discoveries were showing us that the materialism and separation that those, those investigations came up with a view of actually is not the case of deep reality. So the phenomena that were anomalous, they weren't fitting into that model at all, gave rise to quantum physics, you know, where the observer and the observed is not separate where there is a multidimensionality, where our universe does exist and evolve as a unified entity, where non-local phenomena is natural, that's just natural, super normal. But and many of the pioneers of quantum physics were deeply spiritual and actually went to the ancient traditions to try and understand what they were finding. But their findings were accepted but the understanding was pushed to the side as it was for einstein so the last 100 years have been this continuation of the 16th to 19th century model of materialism and separation and separation even though we we know we have the evidence now more and more and more that's turning its on its head the mainstream science is still absolutely held to that view and i think in part is because there's a deep fear in many materialist scientists of the pandora's box that could be opened when there's a realization that all the roads lead to consciousness being fundamental
1: yeah change is scary i think what's so special about being in a body at this time on earth is that we're witnessing this shift in consciousness on a level that's so in our face and it can be so difficult at times, you know, this kind of like old paradigm, new paradigm. It seems like there's this intense friction, but, you know, trusting in the purpose of it all, I guess, how would you explain this on a quantum level on a, you know, a shifting of consciousness level so we can kind of mm, wrap our minds around it in a way that gives a bit more, What would I say? Hope? Yeah, give us hope, doctor. Give us
2: hope. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And the hope needs to be authentic. You know, we don't want to swap, you know, what we have at the moment, which is existential. It really is. And I think that this is what's so exciting for me because having experienced the world in the way that we've been sharing and exploring, as I'm sure you both have and your community has, is now we have the leading edge science and the scientific evidence that's supporting those experiential that experiential understanding that's coming to converge with universal wisdom teachings and spiritually based traditions into an integral understanding into a whole world view of the nature of reality so i think the evidence you know, at all scales, as I mentioned earlier, and, and so many fields of research is the game changer to offer us authentic hope that the old paradigm of materialist separation and essentially a dead, meaningless, purposeless universe and accidental evolution is profoundly wrong and literally turning it on its head. So I think that is the game changer, potentially the game changer. And because we're realizing this, the evidence is showing us that it isn't just at the quantum scale, you know, or the, the galactic scale. It's at our everyday lived lives because what we we're seeing is the same meaningful, what we call fractal patterns of expression are manifested from the scale of atoms and molecules and leaves, and ecosystems, and the internet, and our collective behaviours, to planetary scale, to the scale of our solar system, our galaxy, vast clusters of galaxies, and cosmologically. In 2017, the same fractal patterns I've just described at all scales were found in something called the cosmic microwave background. And this is a very ancient radiation left over from the very earliest era of our universe. And because space has expanded since, it literally now fills the whole of space. And in 2017, cosmologists found the same fractal patterns in tiny temperature differences throughout the whole of the cosmic microwave background, so the whole of space. So we're finding these underlying patterns. And to talk of now, I'll come back to to the underlying patterns. So for example, if we look at the story of Gaia, Gaia's evolution, our planetary home's evolution for 4 plus billion years. She is our whole universe has evolved from simplicity to ever greater levels of complexity and individuation and awareness, yeah? And through a whole series of arcs, evolutionary arcs, she's taken that Incredible journey from simplicity to complexity. And then a time's come in that journey where the most complex of her biological children have gone as far as they could go. You know, their bodies couldn't change much, and their brains couldn't change much, and the way they were couldn't change much. And so the entire arc ended very rapidly in most cases. But then In that breakdown, a new evolutionary arc began to form, taking the level of simplicity of that existing complexity to a lower level initially, but very rapidly then, another arc to even greater levels of complexity. So where we are now, it seems to me, is we've come as far as we can come with the level of consciousness that's brought us so far. Yeah? So all these structures that are based on that level of consciousness, of separation, the illusion, as it turns out, of separation, are breaking down. But in that breakdown is crystallizing, is co-creating the breakthrough of a higher level of awareness. And what happens when a complex system does that, whether it's an ecosystem or us, breakdown and breakthrough, something called flickering happens. And the current sort of patterning, which is falling apart, sort of as it does so, it's like it arcs. It arcs to this higher level of potentiality that's crystallizing, but then it falls back. But then it arcs again, and then it falls back. It's a bit like me trying to give up chocolate biscuits. You know, I do really well, and then I fall back. I do really (laughs) well. But
1: As we crystallize
2: (laughs) this higher level of coherent consciousness and more and more of us wake up to that, then that empowers it and strengthens it so it can become the new and prevalent way of our collective awareness. And that is what conscious evolution or conscious revolution is about and I feel that's where that's potentially because we still have to make that transition and transformation but that is potentially our our ongoing cosmic journey because if we don't do that Gaia's story tells us that we have come to an end point and she will reset potentially and go forward without us and I hope and trust that that's not going to be the case
0: yeah what makes you hope and trust Is it messages from your guides and team? What what makes you hope and trust so much?
2: Everything. Everything that I'm seeing, experiencing, linking up and lifting up with other folks for. You know, I work globally. I work with many, many, many different people and communities who are awakening to this. I'm seeing it in the sort of organizations that we talked about earlier You know, the ones that are really understanding that they cannot go on in the way they've gone on. Often that's emergent new organisations with this new perspective. But it's happening all, you know, away across the world. It's happening in governments. It's happening in leadership, conscious business, education. You know, sometimes it's really early shoots. Sometimes it's communities like yours that are really empowered and coherent in this understanding. And the more your community and our communities can link up and lift up together, that of itself offers us synergies that are greater than the sum of our parts because that's the way the universe works. You know, that's why information expressed as energy matter is quantized so the notes can play together in harmony so that, you know, the peaks of the waves can can add together to create something that is much more empowering and empowered. And the other great thing is we have the evidence now. This is not just about trusting. You know, this is authentic reality. You know, somebody said we were at the um, high level political forum at the United Nations the other day. And the first time In the United Nations history since 1945, there is now being convened what's called a thematic cluster based on unity and unity and diversity. And it's based on the science of unity. So unity is no longer an aspiration. It's our existential reality that we now have the evidence for. That's why I have hope.
1: What my life was like before I was properly hydrated. I don't know how I did it. I, if you know, used to be a fitness instructor. I was kind of chronically dehydrated and never really understood how to properly hydrate until I found Element. So, Krista and I have been on our Element kick for about a year now, and it's made all the difference energy, focus, brain fog is gone. It's quite miraculous, but truly it's science. We're really excited to introduce you if you haven't tried Element. This is an electrolyte drink powder that is zero sugar. Uh, It has sodium, so salts, and it has potassium and magnesium as well, which are minerals that we absolutely need and are healthy for our bodies and for recovery. For our brain health, and you have amazing flavors to choose from. Okay, I love the watermelon salt. That's one of my favorites. I also love raspberry and orange, but they also have chocolate, they have citrus, and other lovely flavors. There's also one that's unflavored for any of you that just don't love a flavor. I love to put the chocolate salt in my coffee. I get really creative. Sometimes I'll make a slushy, but Most of the time, I just put it in regular water and it's the best. My go-to is before I go to bed, I will fill up a 24-ounce water bottle with water and then add my element of choice, one packet, and then I will have a bunch before bed. And then usually I pee once during the night. And when I get up to pee, I come back and I I chug-a-lug more of the element. So I wake up feeling super, super hydrated. So to try Element and get eight single serving packets free with your Element order, go to drinkelement.com slash almost 30. That's drinkelement.com slash almost 30, drinkelement.com slash almost 30. And you're going to get eight single serving packets free with any Element order. You'll get to try all the flavor Flaves. Enjoy. you know, this type of information gets distilled into, because I feel like you are incredibly great at making it digestible for someone like me who (laughs) hasn't studied physics at length in quantum physics, but the quality of the information is activating in the best way. So, you know, my prayer is also like, as this becomes more widely available to people to Hear, digest, kind of taken through their bodies. It's almost like a code, you know, it's a code to activate within people. And it's really, really exciting. How would you guide people or recommend to people that they become co creators? I mean, we're always co creating, but I suppose with the quantum. So, how can they uplevel their awareness to this obviously by learning but it, are there like daily practices that you have found have kept you grounded yet connected open and in that receiving mode
2: very much so and i think that's really important you know that that sort of regular practice whatever it may be you know for some folks it might be yoga or mindfulness for me it's dancing to abba that's a choice
1: (laughs) that makes sense to me that makes perfect sense actually it
2: does doesn't it because it makes my heart sing when our hearts sing when we're joyful you know that's when we embody that innate connection the other thing for me is gardening so being out with Gaia and all her children you know is so wonderful and even if You know, even if folks just have a a, a plant that they love and cherish and nurture at home and and engage with that, it can be so, so simple. But it's bringing that into our everyday lived lives in whatever way, you know, gives us joy, makes our hearts sing. So that's very much the case. I think the other thing I'd say is, and you're doing this with your community, but grow community of like-minded and like-hearted folks, but then reach out to others. Don't just be a clique where everybody, you know, is on the same wavelength. Actually consciously reach out and welcome conversations, explorations with others that don't necessarily agree with you. And don't try and change their mind. Just meet them as human beings sharing this earth walk. Meet them where there is a meeting place. And for me, it's usually being very silly I, I, I can be extremely silly. And I find that when I'm particularly silly, <laughs> most folks around me get to be really silly too. But it's that sense of common humanity and laughter and joy and kindness. I say sometimes, you know, it, it's not always easy, but it is very simple and often it is really easy. My mum used to say, get over yourself. Whenever I started getting a little bit above myself, I said, come on, get over yourself. You're wonderful,
0: you're marvelous, but get over yourself. <laughs> mm, lighten <laughs> up. Just up. As a loving human being, you know. What is when you're connecting with different extraterrestrials or angels, do you notice a different energetic signature? Is there a cognizance of who they are or how is that happening? You know, for a lot of our community, they might be just... Acclimating themselves to their to their guides and their angels and you know the those that are available to them. So how are you understanding where they come from and who they are and what's the experience like?
2: It's a very broad question with a very broad answer because there are so many levels of of multidimensional sentience. So, for example, I love connecting with nature spirits, with divas and elementals, and and they certainly help me to nurture my vegetable patch, which is I'm very grateful for. And also angels, angelic wisdom and support is is very important to me. Extraterrestrial, yes, again, for, for many, many decades. Ancient and archetypal intelligences, that they're, they're 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 different. But it's rather like when you get to engage and, and have a relationship with your guides or or whoever it might be It's rather like you would know a friend, you would know uh, Lindsay and Krista, you would know each other. You know, it's just that these are multidimensionals. So you would know each other from your other friends or your other relationships. Yeah. And when you do that and deepen those relationships, say like any friendships become richer. And the other thing I would say is don't be too serious. In my experience, And maybe, maybe it's because of me, but my experience, many of the relationships, multidimensional relationships that I've, oh, have been so wonderful for me. They're entities, they're beings with a great sense of humor. A great, wonderful, kind, joyful sense of humor. And I know from many conversations with others that, for example, do work closely with nature spirits, elementals and divas, they show up when there's joy and love and gratitude. And I think that's
0: pretty generally true. Do you yeah. think that's a frequency thing that, you know, yeah. when we're in that frequency, the frequency is then able to receive a higher frequency like that?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've been in service a lot of uh, of my life to healing of traumatized entities, traumatized landscapes. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that I take humor into that per se, but I take a simplicity of loving service into that. It's very different. I mean, when you're dealing with some very traumatized situations, you go in in service and, and humility and never to impose, but just to serve, you know, the potential for healing and release. And then I'm not being laughy jokey at all, but equally I'm not being heavy. I'm just being very light and and taking that love into those situations
0: mm-hmm. I guess healing landscapes do you mean going into a place that m- maybe it's like a sacred site like Egypt again that has had traumatic experiences and then working with the frequency there or working with the divas there to to do that or what's what would healing a landscape be like because I've actually never heard of that concept
2: well for me i experienced Gaia our planetary home Gaia as as you know the, the ancient Greeks for them she was the earth goddess so I experienced Gaia as a sentient being and totally sentient so not just her biological children but her multidimensional sentience and her geosphere her rocks her waters her air everything as a Gaia sphere and so you know because of many years now I can attune into places that are holding, you know, pain, trauma. And almost always it's because of a human imprint. So a battlefield, for example. It's said that there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. So over many years, you know, I've worked with places that have been desecrated for example mines where there's there's been a great deal of trauma battlefields many many different you know situations and really just bringing that service of healing and release and replacing the trauma with that vibration of unconditional love and not with an expectation and not with an imposition but just to be in service to that to that healing and then but also there often being given guidance, as you say, guidance from the ancestors often, or divas or angelic beings, you know. So again, there's this wonderful richness of wisdom available to us to then be guided by in service to that sort of healing.
1: Hmm. Did Gaia want you to write this forthcoming book? Was she guiding you? And what was that process like? I,
2: it's like I I feel if she hadn't, it wouldn't have got written, <laughs> and <laughs> and it does feel that she wrote me. And what what is really interesting, we've had some most incredible endorsements from folks that are that are going to be in the book, and I hope you know many 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 folks read it and, and feel the same way that it's almost as though. Gaia is saying to someone who picks up the book or who will pick up the book here I am do you want to come on this adventure with me and so yeah when you go on that adventure with her you end the book perhaps in a very different awareness of Gaia than perhaps when you started the book and a friend of mine Michael Lindfield talks about us being Gaians so I would I'm really curious to see how this is going to unfold when the book actually does come out. But I'm just wondering to what sense people will come to that realization that they are Gaians by the end of the book. And what that means for them in their own journeys, their own life, their own relationship with Gaia.
0: What is the concept of the book? What What is it about besides like Earth? What is is it kind of like a channeling of messages or, or what exactly would you say the book is about? It's not the
2: channeling as such, although at the beginning of each chapter, I do put a little you know, personal piece about either an attunement or my own experience or, or whatever. But it's mainly carrying on from where the cosmic hologram completed. In other words, that we are microcosmic co-creators of a universe of where mind and consciousness aren't something we have, they're what we are, of a universe that exists to evolve from simplicity to complexity and ever greater levels of, of awareness and conscious, you know, interdependence and interbeing. It is based on the science. It's much less sciency than the cosmic hologram because the cosmic hologram I was guided really needed to set the scene, the understanding of how our universe comes together. But it does, it overturns, just as the cosmic hologram overturned the material scientific separation paradigm that we bought into with the evidence that it was fundamentally flawed. What the story of Gaia does is it overturns the story of evolution as being driven by random Mutations as an accidental process, and where consciousness somehow emerges at the end of it. Instead, it goes back to the very beginning of our universe. And so the subtitle is called The Big Breath and the Evolutionary Journey of Our Conscious Planet. So it goes back to the beginning and shows how consciousness was embodied intentionally by the cosmos from the very beginning of this wondrous story. And it takes us through all the stories of stars and galaxies and interstellar dust clouds and birthing fields for planetary systems and the birth of Gaia and her relationship with our sun and moon and planetary family and galaxy and then into the story that's led to ours. And in the process, we make friends with slime molds, very intelligent, and and Bats and octopuses, which have nine brains. Octopuses are and, amazing. And, 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 and
0: aren't they just? A few, gosh. Yes. Aliens that exist on Earth.
2: Mm-hmm. So the resources include things like My Octopus Teacher, um, which, of course, won, won an, uh, an Oscar uh, for a documentary. But so it's, it's the story of our living, conscious, evolving planetary home within a living conscious evolving universe as a great thought of an infinite and eternal cosmic mind where we, as indeed all of our universes have innate meaning and evolutionary purpose. I can't wait.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm so excited to read the new book. This has been beautiful. Mm -hmm. We're so, so thankful to be speaking to you and, at almost 30 i feel like we bring forth some of these conversations which maybe at first glance might be like oh this is overwhelming this is over mm-hmm. my head but i really trust that and especially with the way that you are so in your dharma so in your joy with this work that it really i'm even feeling like i'm like oh wow i my head's not spinning my heart is like mm-hmm. oh, i get it the so codes. much of this yeah the codes <laughs> are so strong so thank you
2: yeah i was just going to say that's exactly my my hope for all that I, I serve. You know, years and years ago, the I was guided that I would write a trilogy. And the first book, I was given the titles, you know, The Cosmic Hologram. At that point, it was Gaia, her story. But I've realized that now it's this very much this balance and this integration of masculine and feminine. So the story of Gaia, and then a third book. And I was told The Cosmic Hologram would help us understand but the story of Gaia would help us experience and the third book would help us embody unity awareness. So we're talking about, you know, the head, as it were, with the cosmic hologram, but the heart with the story of Gaia and then our purpose with the third book, which is all about us because humanity only appears right at the end of the story of
0: Gaia because it's the story of Gaia. Mm. Beautiful. I would love to leave just, you have so many beautiful books on your bookshelf. I wish I could just zoom in and see them all. For our cosmically curious audience, what would be a few books that you would recommend that they dig into beyond your books?
2: Oh my goodness. There are so many. I've, I've, funnily enough, I've got an interview coming up that asked me exactly this. What are my sort of favorite 10 books? And they're very different. One book because it came to me when I was at a really difficult time of my life, was Neil Donald Walsh's conversations with God and just normalising, naturalising, you know, the, the relationship with whatever and however we refer to as the Godhead or, or angels or, or this multidimensional perspective. I grew up on Lord of the Rings. Hey because Love it. I feel that it is such a powerful, you know, story of, of resilience and keeping on, keeping on. And my favourite character is Sam Ganji because he's so very ordinary and yet he becomes this extraordinary and still incredibly grounded and loving hobbit. But there are many others, you know, The Road Less Travelled, Scott Peck was, was one that came for me and through me. There's a lovely book. If, I think if anybody can read anything that's accessible about ancient Indian and ancient Egyptian wisdom teachings, it, and, uh, in, what, in many ways I would say mm-hmm. the book will find them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You almost don't have to go and look. Mm-hmm. The book will find you. If you're open to this perspective, the, book, mm-hmm. the books will find you.
0: Mm-hmm. The
2: teachers will find yeah. you.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) This has been so lovely. I would love to do another one sometime soon. We can dig in a little bit deeper, but um, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for your teachings. I'm grateful for your work and I'm excited to share this with our audience.
1: Yeah. So excited for the book as well. So this will be coming out around the book. Perfect timing congratulations and then we yeah. get to see
0: the trilogy the final chapter of unity
1: <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll be united by then yeah honestly can't wait
2: i'm hoping it might give us another little push,
1: <laughs> Amen. push, and pull, push and pull.
2: but that Thank i'd you. love to, to to continue our exploration i really would so just let me know when that when you feel the time's right i'd love to beautiful
1: thank you, thank you jude and
2: thank you for all you're doing and all your community's doing
1: oh awesome. you're so welcome thank you we'll see you soon have a beautiful evening we'll be in touch bye bye thank you so much dr
0: jude curvin we love you so much again the book is the cosmic hologram and her
1: next book is the story of gaia which is out now And thank you so much to the sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands that we love and use ourselves. We've vetted them for you. You can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com, baby. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, be well. Be well. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.